0: Hello, Tim. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Great. Good to see you. Looking fresh. Thank you. So let's talk about the financial markets this week. Uh, we talked about the week after. I mean, it's now it's the week after the interest rate rise. Has this made
1: things clearer for the markets? Actually, no, because although the interest oh. rates have gone up, the comments that we've had from some of the Fed officials Some are hawkish and some are dovish. So I think the market's still really confused. And what about the US employment number? Yeah, it's coming out this Friday. Um, I'll give a prize if anyone knows why it didn't come out last Friday. Normally, it's the last Friday of the month, right? Um, but maybe right. because February was a short month, they haven't had time to calculate it. So they pushed it back to Friday, the 10th of March. So interesting. It, it's a huge number this week. What's the story on the global inflation? We well, if you remember, we, we, we came down in favor of sticky inflation when the PCI index came out at 0.6 for January. That's still up at 4.7 annual. So that was above expectations. This week, European inflation came out. That came in at 5.6%. So over the 5.3 that was expected. So now everyone's talking about euro interest rates to go up by 50 basis points. Inflation is still strong in Europe, especially on food. I mean, the, the UK actually has a vegetable shortage at the moment due to drought conditions for European farmers. And pasta prices are up 90%. Wow. 90%. Can you imagine? That's one of the staple foods that most people would buy if they were looking to save money normally, right? That's
0: true. That's true. I remember that was why I was eating all week when I was at uni. (laughs) Pasta. (laughs) 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 Well, let's let's talk about... um... Our last week, we were looking for a stronger USD dollar, especially if equity U.S. equity markets fail.
1: Yeah, so that theory was good at the start of the week because the equity markets did fall. I mean, dollar went up to 136.90. Uh, the dollar index touched 104.75. Um, we didn't see any Bank of Japan comments or objection to that. But then once we had Fed comments, the dollar did fall back a little bit. So overall, the dollar could be said to be down about 1% on the week. All right. And what happened this week in the U.S. equity markets? Is it still all about interest rates? Yeah, I guess it is. You know, some commentators are saying, is cash king now? Or have we still got the two groups, the wall of money, the fear of missing out that wants to buy now? Or the wall of worry that was worrying about U.S. rates going up? So they have the joy of missing out if it goes down. They don't buy, but could prices get cheaper in the equity markets? As you say, it's all being driven by interest rates. So recently, the six month treasury yield crossed higher than a sixty forty portfolio, sixty percent stocks, forty percent bonds in the s and p five hundred stocks. Those yields crossed for the first time in twenty years. So normally people would see this is the moment to hold fixed income and get out of equities. But the Fed comments that we had this week have really confused people again. So hawkish Fed members' comments triggered a spike up in bond yields during the first part of the week because some Fed members said, well, we're opening the door to a 50 basis point rate rise in March. But the Atlanta Fed uh, President Bostic came out And he sparked a bit of a rally in equities on Thursday because he said he only supports a 25 basis points rate hike. So which is it? You know, the the 10-year yield pulled back from an intra-week high of 4.09 to end the week only slightly higher. So that meant US equities went down at the start of the week. The 200-day moving average in the S&P is at 39.40 at the moment. That was tested. So when it started to break, there wasn't any huge sell-off. So that shows people are already short the markets or they didn't want to sell at those low levels. The NASDAQ tested its 200-day moving average. Then the FOMO buyers came back in again. (laughs) So the markets are confused and just started buying equities again. On on Friday, we saw loads of um, algo-based buying and it just pushed the market right up. It closed at the highs. Now, those are not new highs for recent months. So really things have. you know, move back into the range. But, you know, I have a question. Is the Fed trying to move the rates higher, but without rushing the equity markets? Because we get hawkish comments by Powell, higher for longer, 50 basis points. Then we get dovish comments by other Fed officials like Bostic, maybe only 25 basis points this time. So who's the winner this week? Well, it's been a tough week, but FOMO wins by a whisker because of the (laughs) Thursday and Friday rallies. But Overall, we've just turned back into the recent ranges. You know, we're not making new highs. So in a bear market, you do get rallies, but mostly you're looking for lower highs and lower lows. But these sudden rallies come quite quickly without any warning, like we had in January and like we had on Thursday and Friday. So the bear market kind of loses momentum in those moments. Right. And I think FOMO have been
0: winning since the start of the year more yeah. than the don't fight I mean, the
1: uh, the you know don't fight the fed guys have only had uh, two wins out of nine right wow so, you know when when you see that kind of price action when it breaks the 200 day moving average and there isn't a sell-off you know that there are buyers waiting below so we could say that you know the dtf guys are just kind of waiting they they want to buy but at lower levels they think they can see lower levels So they're staying out the market, they're staying in cash, staying in fixed income, maybe staying in gold, but waiting for something below, a little bit like Bitcoin, you know, when it was under such pressure at 18,000, 16,000, everyone thought it would go down. But if you spoke to everyone, they said, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy when it goes down. Right, right. And what happened this week in other equity markets? Yeah, shares in Europe rose because the market, again, was focused on slight signs of an improving economic outlook. But the ECB's President Lagarde signaled a 50 basis point rate hike in March. So that's hawkish. Chinese stocks went up for the second week because there was strong economic data. that raised prospects for a better than expected recovery. I mean, this is what China really wants to solve. They don't want to get into a cold war with the USA. They want their economy to recover. So they're concentrating on that. Has Have they sorted out the balloon issue yet? Uh, no more sign of the balloons. Was that just a thing you know that they did to rattle the situation or create some drama when Biden was going to uh, Ukraine to uh, Kiev that day? I guess we won't know, but you know nobody's come out with any stunning evidence of what the cameras took pictures of. I mean, all right. nations spy on each other. That's a given, right? That's Everybody true. knows it. It's like when you get caught, it's embarrassing, but does it stop? No. all right moving on to the most common questions i always get which is gold what happened to gold this week i don't know i mean there was a sudden rally to 1840 from 1810 on tuesday and wednesday and was that the central banks buying again on friday it was up to 1855 so last week we talked about has gold reached its fair value down at 1810 i guess it has you know people started buying again so uh that was a good call from us last week. Right, it was indeed. What next for crypto then? Well, we had some negative news this week, as we often do. Um, you know, Binance were maybe moving customer funds around a bit like FTX did. That's not good. Um, Sam Bankman fried of FTX got some new charges about making political donations to US senators and, and people like that, trying to win influence in America the custody bank Silvergate looks like it's gonna fail over $8 billion worth of uh, crypto was withdrawn recently. And um, the market kind of held its breath on Friday. There were very tight ranges. So while the equity markets were rallying, Bitcoin did nothing, but we've had a bit of price action over the weekend where there is a bit of volatility. So um, it was interesting that things just went quiet in crypto on Friday. If you remember when we had the FTX thing, Everybody kind of withdrew their coins from the exchanges, and there was no trading. Just things went quiet. So this maybe this is a characteristic of the crypto markets. They don't carry on. Everybody just stops and runs away when there's bad news. Right, on the and- price action side, we're never quite sure what news will do to Bitcoin. If people stop worrying about bad news. So that support under 23,000 eventually got broken and the market fell in Bitcoin to 22,300. So it was following NASDAQ closely in the earlier part of the week, but it interestingly didn't really rally up on Friday when the equity markets went back up. Um, Bitcoin actually broke down below its 50-day moving average this week. Does that mean much? Probably means that you know the 25,200 resistance is still in place. So for support the levels to watch are 21200 20000 as a psychological support then that resistance at 25200 and then a 28000 target that we had before.
0: Right you know what like uh, crypto investors they strike me as investors who want to get rich quick like you know because of what they've they've seen what happened over the last 5 6 years and they thinking all right I jump in now and as soon as something happens they just go out. Anyways, <laughs> more. you know, you
1: get you get these guys and, uh, you know, we did have a tremendous rally. I mean, I, I remember looking at Bitcoin in 2012 and it was two hundred and fifty dollars for one Bitcoin. Right. Yeah. And we were going to buy five or six Bitcoin and just put them away somewhere and forget about them. Right. And we didn't do it. And it went up to fifteen hundred dollars. Then it came all the way down to four hundred dollars. Right. Like we never saw it going up to sixty nine thousand dollars, which was the the high. But when it was thirteen thousand dollars recently, and went back up into the forties, you know, people wanted to buy it this time. But it's thirteen thousand for one bitcoin. It's not two hundred and fifty anymore, right? So, yeah, you end up buying a smaller amount. So, I think a lot of people have lost a lot of money betting on you know movements or betting wrongly on mar- volatile markets where the market makers have just squeezed them out either side so mm-hmm. you know it, it's not a surprise to me that when the FTX thing happened that we did have kind of like just a, a kind of crypto winter where trading didn't go on but you know we we've looked at uh, crypto trading algos there's some interesting algos out there that maybe make range plays. So we'll give you an update on more of that when we know more about it. Absolutely. Let's talk about the UK. What happened in
0: the UK this week and how did that affect cable and euro sterling? By the way, lots of people ask me, why is it called cable?
1: Well, (laughs) a long time ago, before the telecom communication industry was born, there was a different price for sterling against the US dollar in London compared to the price in New York. They had to send a telegram um, to telegram the price. So it was very slow. So once the 1st underseas cable went from the USA to the UK, it meant you could see the same price of sterling against the US dollar on both sides of the Atlantic at the same time. So that was why they named it cable. The traders nicknamed it cable. That's the that's the interesting story on that one. Is in this week, for sterling, the positive things are Rishi was focused on Northern Ireland. He had the meeting with Ursula van der Leyen, the uh, EU president, and they reached this new Windsor Agreement about the trade flow that goes through Northern Ireland into Europe. On that news, sterling or cable <laughs> rallied from 1940 to 121.20, and uh, euro sterling sold off to 87.60. So that was good. You know, this is Rishi, the statesman, starting to show that he can get things done, which is positive for him. Um, He's still got problems with all the old guys that he replaced. You know, the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson started objecting to this new Northern Ireland plan. The Labour Party even came out and said they'll support it. But what about the Democratic Unionist Party in uh, Northern Ireland? They're still studying (laughs) it. And then Partygate, the big news about people that did bad things during the COVID uh, period, the investigation has begun. So... Boris and Matt Hancock, who was the health secretary at the time, who uh, they all attended parties at number 10. So that was the party gate scandal, if you're right. That's all back in the spotlight because the COVID investigation has uh, started now. But we've got the same confusion in the UK with the central bank governor, Andrew Bailey. He came out this week and thinks rates may have to go up again to lower inflation. But then he told the market that people shouldn't get second guess whether the next move is up or down. Then the Bank of England's chief economist, Hugh Pill came out and thinks that they should slow the pace of rate hikes, thinking that the Monetary Policy Committee could have an adverse effect on the economy if they continue to hike at the same pace. So on that news, sterling fell from 120 back down to 119.40. So are we sensing a theme here that the central bank officials, they are hawkish to begin with, and then they send another guy out into the media and give a dovish comment. Are they trying to just create this kind of range trading? That's my suspicion now. So let's let's watch out for this now. Right. So finally, what to watch for next week? Well, I think more market confusion, more range trading. As we said earlier, the very important number this week is the U.S. non-farm payrolls, the unemployment numbers on Friday the 10th of March. Uh, will we get a revision on last month's super high 517,000 number? That's what the market will be looking for. It's really this data that will drive the Fed rate decision on how much they should raise rates in March. You know, if we get a lowish number, then things are going in the Fed's direction. They may only need to do 0.25. Imagine if we got another hundred, or uh, 500 number, then definitely it would be 50 basis points again because there's still a lot of inflationary data coming out in the U.S. Um, Spring's coming in Ukraine. We hear that a new Russian offensive is being prepared. Do we think China's 12-point peace plan is going to be adopted? I think everybody hopes so. That might be a way to let Putin off the hook without getting totally embarrassed. Um, But have they got a whole new army getting ready to do an offensive? We're starting to see news about that. And then finally, the US-China relationship will probably be in the headlines for the next few weeks. So you know, watch out for statements for that. Could be positive about Ukraine, could be negative about Taiwan. I think US and China are trying to, you know, calm things down a little bit. China definitely doesn't have time for a Cold War. They they just want to, you know, get their economy moving again. So right. that's what their their priority is. Yeah.
0: I mean, I've just got a question. Do you think if China um, get closer to the US in terms of domestic relations, will that affect their relationship with Russia?
1: I think China's playing a, a, a really you know careful, careful choreography about what it does. It doesn't want to get into a cold war with the US. It wants to be neutral. It wants to be positive on Ukraine. It wants its relationship with Russia to continue. China is a major importer of Russian oil at the moment, and it's getting that oil under $60, right? Because if you remember the uh, yep. g10 nations put sanctions on the russian oil so all of that russian oil that was being sold elsewhere is going either to india or to china cheap oil helps china recover from the covid period so it's really playing a you know a very tricky game stepping very cautiously through this whole diplomatic situation right thank you
0: so much tim for your time today i'm sure the audience or the listeners have found this very useful rich of brilliant information as usual Thank you guys. Make sure you like subscribe. And if you're listening to this on Apple podcast or Spotify, make sure please you give us five stars review. Thank you so much. And have a lovely day. See you next week.